Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Ace Podcast Nation, the hottest new podcast network and YouTube channel in the UK, featuring original series, top guests, expert analysts, and more. Check out facebook.com forward slash Nation for news on latest guests and shows. Watch every show in full at youtube.com forward slash Nation. I'm Ben Ellis, Cage Warriors Featherweight. Check out and subscribe to Ace Podcast Nation on YouTube for one of the best fight, fight podcasts around and the Danny Batten Fight Show every Wednesday for all MMA news. Hey guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Danny Batten Fight Show. This is episode number 57 and uh, we're going to be doing a retro review of UFC 11.5, otherwise known as the Ultimate Ultimate. Some big names on there, some pioneers of MMA and we're going to talk a bit of MMA news, always, uh, always plenty of that going on. Um, but the show is available uh, as usual. You can watch the video version, youtube.com slash Nation. And uh, you can get the audio at the usual podcast platforms. Just uh, search Ace Podcast Nation. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. But uh, most of all, you can follow uh, the Danny Batten Fight Show on Instagram and Twitter at Danny Batten FS uh, to keep up to date with the shows and uh, get notifications every time new show or content comes out. Uh, we've got some phenomenal guests lined up over the coming weeks. Uh, starting with next week, we have... Uh, current cage warriors flyweight champion 
Mr. Jake Hadley joining us, which I'm very excited to uh, have uh, join us for a chat. And uh, we'll also be talking about next week's MMA, which uh, returns as UFC returns to the band uh, with Max Holloway fighting. So that's going to be phenomenal. Plus, we've got the build-up to the Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier too. But uh, joining me this evening to uh, talk some MMA news and a little retro review is none other than former Cage Warriors champion, UK MMA legend. It is Mr. Daniel Barton. How goes it, my friend? Yeah, we're doing okay, Si, and all the listeners are doing okay during these hard times as the continuing lockdown is uh, still shattering our potential happiness. Yeah, I read something, read something today that said it's going to go on for another 12 weeks. Which Yeah, is, yeah. Oh, but, there, well, let's uh, let's keep it a COVID lockdown-free zone for the season. Yeah. Um, it's been a it's been a long week for me. I got to be honest; I've been feeling rough. As pe- people who follow the channel know, um, but I'm up and at him tonight. So uh, we're going to talk some latest news to start with, mate. Um, I think we'll start with some Cage Warriors news. Uh, a certain Mr. Jordan Vucinic posted on his uh, Instagram earlier this week that uh, he's fighting uh, Mr. Cherrier for the featherweight title at the next Cage Warriors event in uh, in March. As his, uh, as his coach, he must be very excited and also a former featherweight champion in Cage Warriors as well. Yeah, that's right. I mean, obviously, it meant a lot to me when uh, Modestus won the light heavyweight uh, world title on Cage Warriors. Um, you know, being that I had heavily heavy influence on his game to prepare for those fights. But um, yeah, a, a little bit more of a special moment because Jordan's going to be fighting for the title that I had for a good number of years. Um, that um, I'm, I'm very proud to say I retired with. So yeah, it's even more poignant, you know, to get someone to win any world title is a fantastic achievement. But to try to help this young lad get the title that I formerly owned will be just incredible. You know, it's another little tick off the list of things I want to achieve as a coach. Obviously, you know, as someone who likes to strive for things and, and put challenges in my pathway, I did the ones competitively in the years that I could be active, and now I'm doing it. On, you know, on the other side of things, on the other side of the fence, being I'm a coach and I'm getting successes there. So this one really means a lot to me personally for my own achievements as much as it is obviously to see this young lad, Jordan, a, a nice young lad, a motivated young lad, uh, get mm. the successes he deserves. It's really, really exciting. And boy, this guy just don't um, have no easy fights. Um, you know, He really likes to test himself. Look, the first three fights he ever had, um, as a pro, he beat three different world champions. Just things: a world Thai champion, um, a world MMA amateur champion, and, and so on. You know, this guy just impresses me through and through. And he's um, continuing good and positive attitude without letting anything go to his head. He's absolutely humble. He comes back into the gym as a white belt student each and every time. So yeah, it's a good one. But Morgan Sherrier, you know. What a test he is. Uh, yeah, unusually powerfully set guy. Um, he is going to put some questions to Jordan. He's never had to ask of himself. And uh, But I'm sure as a team, as a collective team, collective coaches, behind the ever-growing experience that Jordan's gained um, over recent times, I think, I think we can find a way to win absolutely that. Yeah, it's going to be uh, such an interesting fight, that one, because Sherrier looked particularly impressive in his last fight at the trilogy. They just he really looked good. But equally, I thought um, 
Jordan's on the two trilogy cards had two very different performances, but I felt both equally uh, equally impressive. Obviously, the one against Hughes was mightily impressive. Paul Hughes is the was the the Cage Warriors hot young thing. He's uh, everyone wanted a piece of him. He was everywhere in UK MMA podcasts and shows and clips and videos. Mm. And um, Jordan, you know, for me, without the cage grab in the first round, I think it was, which stopped Jordan from slamming him to the ground, I think would have been a lot more dominant a win. He, he was still, don't get me wrong, it was still a close fight and still a good fight and all that. But I felt like because that stayed on the feet at that point, Jordan... I think didn't win off memory, didn't win the first round, or it was a lot closer. Yeah, would have been. Yeah, look, when you got two lads so closely um, contested in all areas for the grappling, the the takedowns, the striking, athleticism, their their fight IQ, experience, everything was so similar between them that it's gonna, you know, each round is gonna be taken by micromanaging the game and something uh, um, as, as subtle as a cage grab literally can turned around from being a potential loss to a potential win. And in that case, I really think that that grab that he got led to um, a really deep switch that he succeeded with numerous times in that fight, actually. But that one set up the first one that made um, Jordan lose that first round. And I think, you know, how would that fight gone had that fence grab not happened? You, I would expect you would have seen Jordan take that first round. And then the second or third round would have perhaps been different because Jordan would have had the momentum and could perhaps open up a little bit more. You know, he had to take that second and third round um, with with some sort of like stresses at the back of his mind after what happened in that first round. But, you know, it, that's, all, that's all in the past now. To me, as much as we can look back and take things from it, um, that's, a, just, that's a deal that's been done. Um, we just got to look ahead now, focus on this you know, Morgan Cherry because he presents a different type of issue for Jordan. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, Paul Hughes is a strong, strong lad, similar to uh, Morgan Sherry, but Sherry's stature, he's a lot shorter, a lot thicker set. He's going to be a very, very different conundrum for Jordan to, to suss out, but we've already got ideas on game plan. Um, we're all going to sit down together as collective coaches and actually watch it together so we can all point out different perspectives uh, on this guy and we're going to break him down just like breaking down, um, you know, something built out of Lego. We, we're going to know every nut and bolt of this guy and um, we're going to find the weakness and we're going to be hitting it and hitting it hard. Yeah, it's going to be really, I can't wait for it then. You know, this card's already shaping up to be a, a special one as uh, they've done with the first two trilogies. Um, and I always always look forward to them more when there's, you know, a couple of your fighters on there or or whatnot, but to be fighting for the for the title and fighting for the title which you, you yourself used to hold, it's going to be a special one, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm hoping that uh, I'll be able to get Jordan uh, either on this show or or just for a short interview before, but obviously I know he'll be knee-deep in training, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, um, yeah, he'll be happy to do one, I'm sure. Yeah, he's, uh, he's good as gold, he is. So... A few other little bits and pieces from the uh, the MMA world. Um, it looks like uh, they like, might be lining up a Michael Chiesa versus Neil Magny uh, fight. Or wow. for the, that UFC Fight Island card where the Kaz uh, Chomaev fight was scrapped. Right. Um, I think um, Chiesa and Neil Magny was on the card. 
Uh, and basically, Chiesa said he thought he assumed or he was worried that he thought that they were going to match Leon Edwards up with Neil Magny. That doesn't look like it's the case now. Um, but you just don't know because Leon Edwards wants to fight. He's desperate. Um, and judging by the interview which Michael Chiesa gave, it seems like he's still not entirely convinced that his fight with Magny is going to go ahead. All right. We'll have to, I guess we'll just have to wait and see, but it'd be either way. I think uh, Magni versus Chiesa will be good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Magni's been looking really impressive, though. He really has. He's he's on on a bit of a roll. Um, he's got some momentum going behind him, isn't he? Mm. So that'd definitely be a good one. As for Leon Edwards, yeah, I mean, he missed out on fighting at all last year, um, having a year layoff at the sort of level that he's at. You know, that doesn't do you any favours. You know, he's probably desperate to get active. And, um, and of course, you know, it's their, their financial career as well. So he's going to need to put some money in that bank as well. Yeah, it's a weird one. Like, I know I've seen some certain parts of MMA media maybe implying that some of it's down to him not wanting to fight and him turning down fights. But every well, interview I've seen, everything <sighs> I've seen him say, it's not the case, but obviously... No, he wants to fight. As People are just avoiding him. He, he's that difficult fight that no one wants to take, but he's earned his right to pick a little bit on who he wants to fight. But he only ever wants to fight at the top tier. He doesn't want to keep on... Fight down when he's second or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this, this, this guy really deserves a little bit more um, respect of, of what he wants to do. Yeah, there's one thing fighting down in terms of the rankings to fight Chimaev, who's like the hot thing. And then mm. there's another thing, just constantly having to fight down because mm. the champion's not there to fight. Um, you know, that's kind of a little bit problematic for me. Um, but it'll be interesting. What weight did Chimaev fight um, John Phillips at? Uh, was, that not, uh, was that not... Middle, uh, that was middleweight, right? Middleweight, or was it? Oh, just trying a quick look. I can't remember because like, he, he floats up and down the weights, doesn't he? Yeah, and that's what was confusing me a bit because I was trying to work out. Then like, he done. What, then he done welterweight, didn't he? With that's right. Yeah, uh, the, the, the English lad. Because I was trying to work out why Leon Edwards hasn't had a title shot yet. Um, because he should have, really, shouldn't he? He should have had that title shot. Away. Yeah, yeah, he's he's got a fantastic record for uh, any fighter to have in UFC. But he's ranked, I think, I'm sure he's ranked like second or something like mm. that. Um, mm. He's a phenomenal fighter. And one thing which sticks out for me is whenever you hear any fighters, like all the different fighters we've had on the shows, like when you speak to them and you ask them about Leon Edwards, they all speak so highly of him, not just mm. his ability, but his you know, his want to fight and uh, they don't buy into the, like, it's him turning down fights at all. Um, and everybody seems to rate him exceptionally highly. I just can't quite put my finger on why Dana White hasn't set up that title fight for him. Yeah, I think there's just been so many other big big fights, hasn't it? And it's kind of maybe put over shadow on, on the expectations that we're having for Leon. But, you know, Leon was just so inactive unfortunately last year so that kind of pushes you out of the names that gets mentioned and, and bantered about and UFC was just so busy putting on events you know on a weekly basis that you know we just got Fact preoccupied yeah he's welterweight to me so 
like Usman is the champion. Like what? To me, why haven't they done that fight? Yeah, well, um, they fought. They have fought, haven't they? Before, they, but that was going back a number of years. Yeah, that was ages ago. There wasn't. Yeah, it? Was yeah. Like before Woodley and Usman. Yeah, uh, and, and and Leon's you know developed into a different fighter since then. Gotcha. He's a, he's on a big unbeaten streak, isn't he, Leon Edwards? Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to find. This is how far away it was. I can't even find that. Right, Usman Edwards, 2015. Yeah. Uh, and approaching Usman, six years well, ago. Yeah, Usman won by a decision, but I mean, mm. so it wasn't like a, you know, he got knocked out or whatever. But yeah, I find that a bit odd that like you've got noises coming out of the UFC or of the, you know of the media saying that Leon Edwards doesn't want to fight, but then they're not, they haven't given him like, I'm just looking. So the Leon Edwards is ranked number three. So you've got the champion Usman, then you've got Covington's number one, Gilbert Burns, number two, Leon Edwards, number three, uh, and Masvidal's number four. Like, Mm. like why haven't they set Leon Edwards up against any of those four fighters? Like Mm. for me, that's bizarre. Yeah, uh, like, and when you look back at the fighters he's fought, like he fought Sabota, um, Barbino, Luque, like Cerrone is probably yeah, Gunnar Nelson, like DeSanjos and Cerrone are probably the biggest names they've given him. Like they haven't mm. really given him that <clears throat> that top tier name to fight. Yeah, he's yeah. ranked number three. Um, so I can understand this frustration. Mm. I, would, I would really would. I would like love to see Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington. I've got to say, I think. That yeah, would that that would definitely be good. Yeah, like, I think we said last week they're planning on doing. Do we talk about co- the potential Covington versus um, Masvidal? Was it? Who did we say? Yeah, I think we we spoke about that. Yeah, that was but if they're not going to do that, I would love to see you know, Edwards versus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I'd also love to see Edwards versus Masvidal as well, right? Because um, they had a bit of a Barney, didn't they? Um, uh, Edwards and Masvidal backstage. Mm-hmm. Way back. That was that was yeah. That's all gone quiet now, though. Don't hear nothing about that. Yeah, like looking at that, those rankings really made, isn't it? Like you could put Leon Edwards against any of those four guys. Mm. So Masvidal is just below him, Gilbert Burns, Colby Covington, or the champion. Yep. And they'd all make sense. They'd all be top fights. They'd all be fights that he deserves. Um, yeah. And even, like, you've got Stephen Thompson below Masvidal. I don't think, <clears throat> personally, I don't think Leon Edwards should have to go to Stephen Thompson at the moment. Like, I feel that he deserves one of those other four guys. If they're not going to give him the champion, then give him Gilbert Burns. Give him yeah. That would that would be that that would definitely be an interesting matchup right there. Well, yeah, Gilbert Burns. Yeah, yeah, I think that'd oh, be a really really good matchup. Yeah, it'd be very interesting. Um, <clears throat> next week we've got Max Holloway versus uh, Calvin Qatar. We'll do our predictions later, mate. But um, sure, you looking forward to seeing Max Holloway back in action? Yeah, I am. I just think he's going to struggle against Qatar. I do just. It's yeah. really interesting now that's developed, isn't it, over the last couple yeah. of years? Because obviously there was that period where like people were talking about um Holloway as being 
one of the greatest ever fighters. Like sure. he just looked and unbeatable at one point. Didn't he remember when he took apart Brian Ortega? Yeah. Uh, people had never like no one had ever done that to Brian Ortega. It was like the amount of punches thrown, the damage caused. It was one of the great, great MMA performances. And then kind of since then, um, Max Holloway's struggled a little bit. Yeah, I do think he was a little unlucky against, uh, you know, uh, Volkanovski the second time they fought. I, I yeah. really personally felt that he had edged that fight. Um, I think it was a little unfortunate that went against him. Yeah. But, you know, when you when you leave fights close-ish, you know, that's what's going to happen, I guess. But, yeah, I was quite surprised that, that that went against him. So we can't really hold that against him too much. No. Um, I think he adjusted his game well and just enough to, to edge the win in my mind. Um, so I don't think we're seeing Max Holloway on the demise by any stretch. But, um, yeah, I'm just not too sure how well he's going to do against Qatar. Really he's, just such a good, he's such a good boxer, Qatar. And, you know, Max Holloway relies on pretty much being the rangier, better striker. He's not someone who's really going to take it to the ground. He's not. He doesn't really do that sort of style. So, yeah, going to be super interesting. Yeah, so, like, Holloway is still officially the number one contender. Um, but I find it interesting that, again, rather than giving him, obviously, he's fought Volkanovski, so you can't really do that fight again. He could, but... And he's fought Brian Ortega, who's directly below him. But instead mm. of going to Zabit uh, Magmed Sharapiov, Pif, I can never say his name, Zabit, or even Yair Rodriguez, or even uh, Korean Zombie, they've gone down further to Calvin Qatar. But, yeah. and whilst I do find that interesting, because like all of those fights would have been real good fights for Holloway, um, or, uh, you know, for, for the viewer at least, um, Calvin Qatar has been on fire. Obviously, he beat mm. uh, Dan Aig by a decision back in July. In May, he beat um, Jeremy Stevens by a TKO quite quickly. Um, he beat Zabit. No, he didn't. The fight with Zabit was called off, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, he's beaten a few others, Lamas. And then before that, it was kind of building him up, really. Um, so, yeah, but I think since uh, Qatar lost to Moicano in 2018, I think he's developed to a, almost a completely different fighter. Like yeah, compared to what he was back then. So yeah, yeah, be, I mean, be an interesting one. Yeah, sometimes he was a little bit susceptible to good kickers, and mm -hmm. um, you know his ground's probably not as accomplished as as some others. But yeah, he's really honing the game well for his he's making his own style, if you will, and he, he's making it work. A um, little bit like, like Adesanya, really. You know, he's not being able to be pushed in other areas because you know he's so good at keeping it in where his strengths are. And that's sort of how I see Qatar, really. I, I just think he's so good at keeping the fight, steering towards the direction of his strengths. And, um, yeah, I'm not too sure how Max Holloway's going to go about that. To me, he's going to have to, at some point, mix up some takedowns into the equation, I believe, um, unless he can try to improve on his kicking game or something. I just don't think he could beat Qatar just with hands. I just don't think that's possible. Um, yeah, he's certainly capable of, um, you know, taking him down and... and He's got a yeah, of would you, on his, on his yeah, back, yeah. We, we, we always see with him, is it? It's not his go-to. So you know, obviously, he's got to go in with a game plan. 
to, to win. Um, and, and normally you just don't butt heads with someone in their area of strength. It just doesn't make sense to do so. You made me do as part of the round to get them into comfort zone um, of a certain range and then try to do a surprise takedown towards the latter part of the round, maybe. Maybe that's what he's planning to do. I don't know, but he's definitely got to have a game plan to mind uh, to yeah. try to edge to win out on this one. Of course, absolutely, he's one of the best fighters um, in the world. So, you know, if he mm. plays his cards right and gets it all running together, of course he can get the win. I just feel that he's up against it more so. Um, yeah, just We just have to wait. He's certainly going to be interesting. I just want to see how he approaches this fight, um, see what he's his coaches and his team have done for him in preparation for this one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. His first fight back after a break as well over Christmas. Yeah. Excited for it. Um, so a couple of other little bits I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, fans back in uh, the UFC shows as well during these Fight Island shows. Um, I think that's. I'm looking forward to that. I've got used to them being no fans now and being able to <laughs> hear, the, hear the coaches and whatnot. Obviously, it's not going to be a a full house, but they are welcoming some fans back. Um, there's a lot of precautions in place, obviously, as you'd expect. Um, limited number of spectators will be in attendance. But it is the first time, I think, in any, uh, certainly in the big uh, MMA companies, where there's been fans in a very long time. Yeah, I wonder what those tickets are going for. I imagine they've gone up in price somewhat. Yeah. can only but imagine it's going to be for the for the fortunate few who have deep enough pockets to pay for such an experience during these hard times. But, yeah, I don't know. I just imagine that. Um, yeah, so the, the place holds 18,000 fans. There's going to be around 2,000 by the sounds of it. Um, there's a lot of precautions to be able to go and you've got to do various tests and you're not allowed to take certain things in. You've got to be there an hour before the show starts. There's mm. a a lot of different things two meters part outside of the group and yeah no children under 12 are allowed to go and but you'd expect that sort of those sort of precautions at this point in time the way the world is it's just it's the way that it is but i'm glad to see as if you know if they can do it safely then i'm yeah. glad to see fans that's what it's going to boil down to as long as there's no repercussions of it um i think that they'll, they'll do it super super tight and i think you know that they will do it safely and I think we'll slowly see an introduction of more and more fans until we get back to some kind of normality. I just wonder whether we're going to find it weird hearing people cheering in the background now because we got kind of got used to that silence. But I remember, you know, when it first happened, all this, it seemed so odd to hear the cornermen hearing the punches and kicks slap in. But that's mm -hmm. kind of become quite comfortable now and quite the norm. And it has been kind of a pleasure, to be honest. But don't get me wrong. I think, you know, having the atmosphere of um, crowds getting behind their um, the fight that they support, I think, is also great. Um, especially when you're bringing back the likes of Conor McGregor back into the equation. I mean, yeah, the crowd always goes nuts when he's back on board. I I'm really happy that he's still fighting. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to him um, competing again. And um, it's a good, sensible fight for him to have back as well. And I thought they was going to stick him in against some kind of top wrestler who's going to try and smother you know, his flamboyant game and just try and dampen down He's sort of like it, his game sort of like matches his personality, doesn't it? It's big, it's flashy, and um, but he backs it up so often. So I'm glad he's fighting who he's fighting because Poirier, you know, he's a much more developed fighter than he was back then. 
So it would be interesting how he goes about trying to deal with someone like Connor and to know that we're going to have a little bit of a crowd, a little bit of an audience this time around. I think it's going to be nothing but a great thing. Oh, yes. It's going to yeah. be incredible. And we did say, didn't we, mate, that um, like the reason they hadn't had Connor fighting straight after the Cerrone fight is because they wanted fans in there for when Connor right. fight, Yeah. And I don't think it's any coincidence that his first fight back is one of the first shows with him uh, with fans back is the show with him on it so it's interesting um yeah one final bit of news which i found particularly interesting this week uh francis Ngannou said um he'd really like to fight john jones um but he's not worried he said he's not worried if john jones takes his title shot um, right. i've got to say as much as francis Ngannou has improved over the last couple of years and he has i think it's fair to say uh, you know credit where it's due um, he came in, destroyed everyone with his power, got shown up a little bit by, um, I think it was Miocic, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, and he kind of fell apart a little bit. There's been negotiations with Jones and Nungano, but they fell apart quite quickly and it's never been talked about again. Um, you know, John Jones is John Jones at the end of the day. And I just think, um, i got to say, I think no matter how much Nungano's improved, I just think John Jones, unless he got caught with a huge shot, is going to take part to Ngana. Yeah, you can only but imagine. Um, and you're, you're right, really. He's only got his power to really rely on. He's, he's never going to outskill someone like John. So, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's hard to know who to match Jones against, isn't it? It's Miochik. Uh, yeah. I just think, like... Uh, I know they're not going to want to chuck him straight into the title picture. They want to want to put him against another heavyweight first. Yeah, they want to get a few fights out of him. But um, I really think, you know, I think he's planning to have his last number of fights before retirement. I can't help but get the sense that that's what's going to be around the corner. For me, John Jones is like Conor McGregor. Um, he is the moneymaker, isn't he? He's the guy yeah. who sells ridiculous amount of pay-per-views. And there's the added... Uh, interest now with him fighting a heavyweight because people, whilst they expect him to still do well, you just don't know against these bigger guys. So there is a bit of mystique to it. Um, But I look at that heavyweight division and no other fight really interests me. I mean, maybe um, like a Dos Santos, but I just think... Oh, he's really fallen by the wayside. Yeah, or even like a Volkov, maybe. But and then I look at like Derek Lewis, Alistair Overeem, um, even Rosenstruck. Um, you know, Rosenstruck's looked real good recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, Curtis Blades has looked real good re- recently. You know, Francis Ngannou, by one fight, has just dominated everyone. Yeah, it has to be one of the fighters that... Take all them apart. Yeah, yeah. But it's going to be interesting because a couple of those heavyweights that you mentioned, they, they really go forward kind of guys now. Do you remember when the heavyweight division used to be very, very ploddy? That's yeah. not really the case now. You've got, you've got guys there that are expressing some real athleticism in terms of their cardio and the amount of strikes that they're throwing out. So it, it's going to be interesting. I have a few interesting potential matchups there, but I'm just not too sure how many of them Jones will give the nod on to actually, yeah. you know, to take them on. Maybe you just want to fight just in the top three. You know, I don't know. So, like, for me, with John Jones, the age he's at, I don't think you've got, you know, 10 more fights out of him. 
So as a company, I think the UFC want to get the biggest possible fights out of him. Mm. As not as quick as possible, but you know, over a fairly mm. quick period. So for me, I would go with do the Miochik uh just title fight. Yeah. Um, if he beats Miochik and uh Adesanya beats Blackshirt, then you go to that fight. And then whether it's a catch weight or whatever, if it's a catch weight, you would do that fight and then you could have him defend his heavyweight title versus Nganu or Blades or Rosenstruck mm. or Miocic, whoever it may be, if there's another contender there. Um, yeah, yeah. They would be the three fights I would do, and that's probably the order I would do it in. If mm. you were telling me I had to put him in against a heavyweight before he goes for the title, I would probably go with Volkov, Rosenstruck, or I can't decide out of Angano or Blades. Probably Blades, I think, just because yeah. I think Blades would give him a little bit more problem than um, than Angano would, if I'm being yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, Volkov would be quite interesting because he's yeah. got so much height and he's got that striking pedigree. You know, we've seen Jones sit behind his improved, ever improving distance and range with his striking, and he sort of just does enough with that now. Whereas we saw in his early fights, he was doing fantastic takedowns. You know, I think against someone like that, he might start to having to reintroduce his incredible wrestling capabilities with someone like that. Um, so yeah, that'd be that would be an interesting matchup in my mind. Yeah, I think so. I think um, I think the Rosenstruck one interests me because Rosenstruck the last couple of fights has really plodded forward. Mm. Quite, um, he's put a lot of pressure on his opponents, uh, right. and it'd be interesting to see how John Jones puts puts up with that from a bigger opponent, mm. uh, a stronger opponent. Then, like he's always dealt with that in light heavyweight quite easily. Mm. Um, so I'd be interested to see if he could deal with it as easily from a heavyweight point of view. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I just want to see him get active again. You know, it's been a little while since he's he's been in there. I just want to see him get active again and, um, you know, keep him rust-free, so to speak. And so we can see him at his best in this new weight division. Yeah. Um, and I guess the other thing as well is um, you've got people, you know, the UFC, they pay a lot of money to people like McGregor and John Jones. They want to make sure they get it right. And John Jones yeah. as well, he won't just let him match him up against anyone like mm -hmm. if he doesn't feel the fight's right for him he won't he'll, he'll be awkward basically um yeah so yeah it's gonna be interesting um so that's the mma news for this week um we were hoping to have a guest on this week to talk a bit of boxing going forward and last year's boxing unfortunately um hasn't worked out so we're gonna go uh straight into the the ufc the ultimate ultimate uh, 11.5, as it were. Some big names on this one, mate. So what did you think overall of the show? Yeah, I, this was um, a little bit better than last week's one. Um, I'd say a lot better, actually. There was some, you know, better, you know, competitive matchups. Um, yeah, I, I did enjoy watching it a lot more this time around. Indeed. Um, some big names there, though, mate, as well. Yeah, week. there was. Yeah, oh, some, some legends. We mentioned last week that they sent... Uh, uh, Ken Shamrock onto the Conor O'Brien show in the build-up to this. They were really uh, pushing this as a, yeah. like a big-time event at the time. Um, so, obviously, we won't talk about the alternate fights because you don't watch, they don't show them. 
Uh, quarterfinals uh, to start us off. We had Ken Shamrock versus Brian Johnston, with uh, Ken Shamrock picking up the win with a forearm choke after just under six minutes. What do you make? Yeah, yeah. I didn't realise how big, bigger guy uh, Brian Johnston was. Mm. Um, I've met Ken Shamrock. You know, it, okay, it's not the biggest type of guy, but obviously muscularly set. You know, he's six foot, but yeah, uh, Brian Johnston like six wide. foot four and 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 jacked up, jacked right up. The guy looked massive. But Ken Shawmuck was a younger athlete back then and he still had a fast shoot on him and he shot in on those legs and got Brian Johnson down first attempt. Brian Johnson fought it a little bit. He, he bounced and hopped and tried to maintain his base and balance, but yeah, he couldn't stay up on his feet for, for very long. And um, and Ken Shawmuck showed some some nice ground and pound there, um, getting very, very right-hand happy. Um, he wasn't mm. the most hardest or most devastating ground and pound you'll ever see. It was a thoughtful picking of shots. Um, I think he was potentially trying to save his energy for the potential of other rounds, trying to do the, the minimum to win. But he was actually quite quite aggressive without sort of like overdoing himself. But unfortunately, um, you know, he got injured, didn't he? Uh, or something along those lines. He was unable to, to continue after he got this win against Brian Johnson. But Brian Johnson really couldn't give anything much back in return. And we're saying about how rare it is to see forearm chokes. But yeah, we saw another one of those. This time around, I think it was more of a case of being gassed than anything else. Yeah, um, yeah. But Brian Johnson just really showing up a you know a limited skill set off his back. He just didn't have the dexterity of movement, um, like a jujitsu guy, to create opportunities to either sweep to be on top or to create a displacement of base to get the pinning weight of the opponent off to be able to stand and scramble up against the fence. He looked very, very much stuck on stuck on his back. He was getting his head wedged up against the fence. And how funny, isn't it that now, when a fighter gets taken down, they'll try and butt scoop and use the fence to actually get up. Whereas, um, you know, back in that time, it was a good thing to put the grounded opponent, the opponent who's on the back, up against the fence and, and pin their head there and so on. No one had the skill or the know-how or the tactics to scramble up off the um, off the floor using the fence back then. But yeah, Karen Schwabrock actually looked, looked really good, looked really sharp. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, mate, was um, Ken Shamrock. Obviously, he was marketed as the world's most dangerous man, um, and he's one of the more famous UFC fighters back in that, those days. Um, like, how good is he? Was he like in terms of overall all-time fighters for you? Because like his grappling and stuff seems top level, striking not so much, but you know he's a successful fighter. I just wondered where you saw him in the grand scheme of. Kind of. um, I mean, back when I was watching it, when you know all the UFC was new and um, you know coming up through right at the very very beginning, you know my mindset back then was you know oh he's one of the most skillful athletes and uh, blah blah blah. But in the big scheme, I mean, it, it doesn't compare to the kind of athletes and the technical capabilities that we're seeing today. You know, but he was from a different era and. In that I think he in the very, one of the best around. Yeah, he was one of the better guys. Yeah, he had some submissions in his game. Clearly, an athletic guy. He could strike a little bit. He was fairly well rounded. He's got some wrestling capabilities. Um, yeah, and he had those leg locks as well that he got mm. numerous wins from that you know no one really had back then. He's one of the first leg lock guys that was um, you know truly effective back then. So you know he did bring some new things to the to the mix, but um, you know as Ken Shamrock began to age. You, you wonder whether some of those losses was it due to the fact that he wasn't as as skillful as the fighters that he was beginning to compete again when he started having a run of losses, or was it because he was getting paid to work them? Because 
and some of his performance work did look like he rolled over and just accepted a loss and that was never yeah. how Ken used to be so yeah I mean I do think he was he, he was good it's just that you cannot compare two different eras it's nigh on impossible yes, to do exactly. yeah but yeah he was certainly back at that time one of the best fighters in the world there yeah I think so uh, yeah, I was uh, found him really just a really interesting character and fighter He's, sure he was uh, one of the first ones to have a bit more of an all-round game, I say. Yeah, um, yeah, I would agree. Uh, so next up, we had Tank Ab- Tank Abbott versus Cal Warsham. Uh, this one only lasted just under three minutes with uh, basic stoppage from punches. Um, what did you make of this one? Yeah, it was this the one where he picked him up and he held uh, Cal Warsham held onto the fence. It was that one, wasn't it? He, he held on, but he sort of yeah. spun him around like a basketball in the air. And um, and slammed him down. Um, yeah, it didn't take long. Yeah, two minutes fifty-one of the first round, um, getting a KO. Um, yeah, Tank Abbott just looked his typical aggressive self, didn't he? He was just just absolutely on it and, and digging deep and digging hard. Um, it was really good, um, really good performance. It was um, Tank Abbott at his best, I would say. Yeah, I mean, Cal uh, Warsham did his best to make him look good, didn't he? I think is yeah not, yeah not I don't mean in terms of throwing the fight I just mean that he kind of played into his hands he backed off from him backed off from him tried holding onto the cage he was like he wasn't technically doing a great deal to trouble Tank Abbott other than when he just had that one point where he was like on the top of the cage like almost sat on top of the cage and yeah he hit a couple of big shots to the head but Tank Abbott just slammed him down and but he he backed yeah. off didn't he like like he did Abbott and and he yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it. I don't think it should have gone down as a KO though, because I, I, it was more that he tapped out. He tried to tap the mat, didn't he? Yeah, the, well, on the official the, result, it says um, submission yeah. punches. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, yeah, I think that is which you don't always see a great deal of. Do you, uh, sort of people? Yeah, talking, but so. um, Tank Abbott looked like he had a bit of cardio about him. In, in, you know, he was yeah, aggressive. Yeah, for for the whole nearly three minutes, he was going at it the whole whole time, and um, you know a big heavy dude like that and being on the receiving end is not a good idea. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it got the result that Tank wanted. Indeed, it did. Uh, so next up, we had uh, Gary Goodridge versus Don Fry. Uh, with Don mm-hmm. Fry picking up the victory, and the official results it says submission, and in brackets fatigue. Yeah, um, yeah I, this was the second time Gary Goodridge lost against Tom Fryer through getting really tired, or tiredness being a factor. But actually, he didn't seem to have uh, improved his cardio from the last time out, did he? Yeah, well, I, I, I think he did. I just think that he was actually in a proactive position for for longer than he normally would expect to do against Tom Fry. In that he managed to take Tom Fry down which, you know, really shouldn't have happened. I mean, Gary Goodrich is really going in there as an aggressive, powerful striker. And you've got Don Fry, who's obviously a superior wrestler who can box somewhat. Um, but it was um, Don Fry actually got taken down to the ground, which was a bit of a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Don Fry, considering he's a wrestler and a wrestler on his back is not normally very fluent with his submission capabilities. But Don Fry did show a little bit of know-how. He actually tried to rise his hips up and try to go for an armbar. Okay, not technically exactly correct um, in today's knowledge and know-how, but he was firing up le- legit submissions off his back that kept Gary Goodridge busy and unable to relax on top. Um, and of course, um, 
it, it got to a point where Don Fry managed to able to create a scramble. And um, in that scramble, it looked like Gary Goodwin was getting tired and tried to jump on some form of guillotine, some kind of choke that he's clearly have pulled off in training, but wanted to put the fight away where I think he must have been feeling the fatigue, but he fluffed it up because of the fatigue. He kind of slipped off of Don Fryer's upper body and head and ended up underneath. And with just seconds, he he decided that hey, I'm, I'm underneath now and I'm done. Um, he must know what Don Fry is all about when he's on top. He's going to be throwing relentless punches um, Don Fry always impressed me with his cardio. You know, he's a muscularly set guy um, that could ground and pound. He could wrestle. And let's not forget, this guy could box a little bit too. He, he was not bad on his feet. Um, but he just put a pressure on. He would just go from the, the, the start of the bell to the finish, however that may be. Even if it was to the end where the bell has to get rung after however many rounds that it would have to be to get to a decision. He would be working hard throughout the fight. So, yeah, Gary Goodrich thought better of it and, and thought, well, you know, let's uh, let's just tap out before any damage gets done. Yeah, for sure. It was uh, certainly, I don't know, I, I find it a little bit frustrating that with the way that Gary Goodrich kind of gets tired and that's it. Mm. It frustrates me a little bit, but look, it was a different time, um, a different era. It was, and and you got to remember, this was 11, 11 minutes twenty continuous. Yeah, right. there, there, there wasn't, you know, it would have perhaps been different if it was five minute rounds how it is today. But yeah, for sure. You know, you got to wonder how many fights today if they went on for sort of like one fifteen minute round or, or two fifteen minute rounds or whatever it was, but how it was back then. You know, how many fighters would actually get to the end of a first round being fifteen minutes long? today i mean yeah yeah, yeah so. it'd be kind of interesting to see what would happen with top tier fighters fighting to the rule sets yeah, as they I mean, were back then is when they um like from the moment they start training they train with rounds don't they so like they yeah. brought up on uh you know five minutes break five minutes sure. break whereas mm -hmm. these guys would go in hell for leather all out um next up we had uh chemo lapoldo Versus uh, Paul Valerians with uh, Leo yeah. getting the victory via a corner stoppage at nine minute mark. Yeah, who did you say? What? Well, yeah, chemo. Uh, right. Chemo. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, they both impressed me here because we, we've seen chemo before and we've seen Paul Valerians before. Um, and uh, Paul Valerians showed great resistance for the takedown, but. On the opposite scale of that, well, Kimo looked like he was doing things like a real full-on wrestler. He was actually mm. performing really, really well, shooting on singles, doubles, body locking um, the bigger man, much bigger man. This guy was six foot seven, a hell of a lot more weight, heavier, um, you know, all round. Paul, Paul's big, big guy and was working elbows in that clinch game, um, working elbows all the time, which kind of become his signature thing, really, given that he's got so much height over most of his adversaries. So he saw these downward elbows constantly working hard, but Chemo constantly worked hard too. Really, really did try hard for the takedowns. Which trying inside wrestling trips, trying to work the outside leg with leg on leg takedowns, tried the arms to leg takedowns, tried body lock takedown. He literally um, gave his all for the takedown. But then, you know, I think in his desperation to get it down, he ended up over extending himself with a takedown attempt and got himself off balance with the weight of Paul Verilins. Ends up underneath. 
um, Verlins. And Verlins was looking pretty good, to be honest. But yes. as that round developed, as it started to hit the seven-minute mark, uh, Verlins started to really slow up with his effectiveness of ground and pound. And partly due to um, Lopoldo's really good guard play, um, not only was he threatening up submissions, he was putting shin, um, shin across the body to alleviate um, Verlins' excessive weight being put all over him and smother him. Um, so Kimber was getting a little bit banged up. He had a little bit of a marking around the eyes, a little bit of a cut, but nothing too consequential. But Vorenlins started to gas and do less and less ground and pound, like I say, in those last couple of minutes and really started to fade acceleratively um, yeah. to a point where Kimber started pushing to get on top in not a real technical way. But Vorenlins was so exhausted. He, he did try to fight it, but ended up getting sort of partially mounted and Kimo didn't have gloves. Now, one of the things that I noticed about this UFC over any other is the amount of people choosing to wear gloves, knowing how much it damages your hands and stops mm. you potentially going through to other rounds with hand injuries. But Kimo still went in there with um, bare fists and started bare knuckling Paul mm. Verilin to the face. And, yeah, they were pretty damn hard hits. And, uh, yeah, it, it got stopped with the uh, TKO and KO. Really impressed with with both though to be fair and Kima just absolutely impressed me that before we knew him as just a striker who is a physically strong guy to someone who's actually looking more of a wrestler than wrestlers do yes yeah that was it was an interesting I enjoyed this one it was really I found it interesting to uh, to mm. watch um, I, I I always enjoy uh, watching Kimo fight anyway he, he puts on some interesting stuff um, Paul Valerians I thought uh, at this point, improved a great deal. Yeah, from, uh, some of the previous fights we'd seen him in on the earlier shows, um, and again, you know, nine minutes non-stop. Were you surprised with the the way the stoppage went down, or um, not really? I mean, you just never know how the stoppages are going to happen back then. Um, I mean, like I say, you're getting tap outs from forearm chokes, and you know, people just completely gassing, and so I can't say I was particularly surprised. Um, I was just surprised in both their abilities. They both clearly had been been improving their games. Their knowledge of this relatively new sport was was growing, and they were showing and expressing that in there. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it was a good fight. It actually had me watching and taking note of what was going on. Yeah, and you mentioned about the um, broken hands and stuff. Uh, the semi-final was changed from Tank Abbott versus Ken Shamrock to Ken Shamrock, uh, Tank Abbott versus uh, Steve Nelmark because uh, Ken Shamrock uh, injured his hand. Which yeah, is, yeah. But he had gloves on yeah. as well, but he still yeah. injured his hand. But I put that slightly down to Ken Shamrock was throwing only right hands practically at some points. <laughs> And maybe um, that's why though, because he's yeah, injured. oh, yeah, you don't know what, what it depends which hand it was, yeah. So maybe he hurt his left and was having to do it with his right, or maybe he overshot his right so much and ended up with an inflamed hand. And yeah, unfortunate that he couldn't carry on because there were so many other interesting matchups that I would love to have seen him that night. Um, yeah, I would really like to have seen him versus Tank Abbott, um, yeah, yeah, it'd be really, really interesting, yeah, but yeah. you know, it wasn't to be, unfortunately. Indeed. Uh, so Tank Abbott faced uh, Steve Nelmark, the alternate, um, uh, with Tank Abbott winning by a T uh, sorry a KO punch, uh, as yeah. it's listed on the uh, the old yeah. official results. What did yeah, you, uh, um, make uh, of this one? yeah. I mean Tank Abbott again. I said, like I said, I think that, like we were seeing the best of him 
Um, I think career-wise, this was the most athletic version of him um, and most prepared version of him that you you'll see. And um, yeah, he he, he I, I you know normally going through the rounds, you would see an ever slower Tank Abbott, but he come out absolute swing, and he looked like he had pep about him from the get go. And was really putting it on that Steve, Steve Nailmark, really putting it on him. But Steve Mark was really trying to give it back. But in the exchange of the wrestling and breaking and going back to striking again, my goodness, it looked like Tank Abbott had killed him with the way he knocked him out. He knocked him out with a, um, a, a right hook. And the guy's neck bent over. He slumped over his knees. Kind of knocked out like a, a little bit how... Uh, oh, Jacare. You know, Jacare was knocked out from yeah. his knees on the ground and slumped backwards. Well, that's how this still Steve Nilmark yeah, was uh, knocked out. His neck looked broken because his neck was hung over his shoulder. It was resting up against the cage. It looked horrendous. But, uh, yeah, Tank Abbott got the win and in fantastic, typical Tank Abbott fashion. <laughs> yeah, it. Um, you're right, though, about the way he kind of, the way he goes down or the way he, I don't know, the way he kind of slumps, I guess, after mm. he's hit is yeah. uh, what kind of took my eye and, yeah. Brutal, but yeah, uh, yeah, looking like a fighter, yeah, possibly for the first time, I think, uh, in these shows, it really like I think, um, you know, he's looked powerful, but hasn't always looked tactically or technically the greatest. Um, but he's looking looked good in this, um, yeah, yeah. The next semi final was uh, Don Fry versus Mark Hall, which lasted all of 20 seconds with uh, Don Fry getting the submission via an Achilles lock. Yeah, yeah, this was a real surprise. Um, you know, I didn't think What's that he had that kind of... Well, he, uh, you know, Don Fry's a wrestler. Normally, if he gets on top of you, he's kind of ground a pounder and smothering your your your, your game, sort of just ground a pounding yeah. you. But he just saw the opportunity. He obviously was training some submissions. Um, maybe it's because of the influence of Ken Shamrock going for leg locks. Mm. Um, so clearly he's added it into his training and he sensed that opportunity and yeah, he went for it and boy, did he get it. I think it was the second time he had fought, fought this Mark Hall. I think Mark Hall was, um, you know, hoping to redeem himself from their previous encounter, but yeah, it just wasn't able to be from the lad, um, giving away a lot of size as well. The guy was, you know, not naturally as big as Don Fry. Did he pull uh, guard, uh, the, he, yeah, they they, they looked like he tried to pull guard. From yeah, they very quickly. I don't think he pulled guard as such. They very quickly went into like a wrestling clinch, and mm. Don Fry just bowled him down. Literally, he, he only done the first sort of like um, 30, 40 percent of a wrestling actual tackle and takedown, but bowled Mark Hall down with such ease, partly because of the athletic and physicality difference. Uh, remember, this was open weight back then. So, yeah. oh, well, no, it wasn't open weight. It was well, they class it as a catch weight. I don't yeah. know, but um, yeah, he got him down so easy because of the size difference. But um, yeah, it really just shocked me to see him jump on that leg. I never knew he won by a leg lock ever. Um, that that one sort of like uh, eluded my detection. So to see him jump back on that, I thought, oh, he ain't gonna get this. Is I don't know, he's ever won by a, an ankle lock. But yeah, all good blow me, he did. And you know, being twenty seconds in. He would have had still some energy to put in, along with any lacking of technicality in that leg lock attempt. And uh, yeah, it didn't look like um, Mark liked it very much because he was holding his knee. I don't know whether he got injured from it um, yeah. in any meaningful way, but it looked pretty horrible. <laughs> Not a comfortable one. Um, no, tapping very quickly. 
Um, so which made the final a fascinating affair between uh, two behemoths in uh, Don Fry and uh, Tank Abbott, with Don yeah. Fry picking up the win with a, a rear naked choke about a minute and a half in. Yeah. Surprised, but... first of all, by the these two being in the final, and were you surprised how quickly it was all over? Um, no, with the way they were both fighting, I, I was not surprised. I, I think they initially were fighting well. I think Don Fry would have been disappointed with himself against Gary Goodridge because up until Gary Goodridge quit, he was losing that fight. So yeah. that may have made him have some some doubts there. Um, yeah, so you know, I, I was, it was hard to know what kind of frame of mind he was going in there. But of course, Tang Habert would not play the same type of game that Gary Goodridge would do. You know, Tank Abbott's a specific type of way he'll try and knock you out on the feet. And if he clinches you and ground and pounds, he would try and knock you out that way. But it's all about the knockout for Tank Abbott. And boy, you know, they, you know, Tank Abbott didn't disappoint. And the thing is with Don Fry, as we came to know, he's willing to trade with anyone, no matter how big a striker they are. But it nearly went against him. It really did. They both come out throwing a jab. And Tank Abbott's jab was considerably harder than Don Fry's and knocked him off his feet. He went staggering backwards. Tank Abbott went charging in to try to put the finish on it. But Don Fry being Don Fry's absolute warriors stood up, started trading shots again. Again, like he was coming off worse, getting backed up and um, exchanged numerous blitzing shots, staggered Don Fry yet again. But then as Tank Abbott went charging in, um, he fell himself off balance and uh, ended up putting himself underneath, and for which Don Fry very, very quickly got onto the back of Tank Abbott. And from there, really, he started working in the choke with his hooks in. And mm. I think by then, Tank Abbott, with the other previous bouts, was somewhat gassed. And um, Don Fry, being the athlete he was, still had good energy and vigour about him, started putting the squeeze on, and Tank Abbott, yeah, he tapped mm. out. I felt like he didn't quite know. I don't know if I'd say he didn't know what to do, but once he got that choke in tight, he, he had no idea what to do. Much, it, uh, wasn't he much didn't fight there, shall we say? Yeah. Did you notice that he didn't even put his arms up to the choking arm? He didn't even do yeah. that. He, so he had didn't his arms completely peel it away. He didn't. No, nothing. Nothing. And I, I think he kind of wrote it off as, okay, I have no idea what to do here. Um, let's mm. wait until something goes on that I don't feel right and tap out. He, he was really at a loss there. He really, really was. But he's, it really was him for t the taking there. He was beating Don Fry, and Don Fry was a little rocked and a little ruffled with his feathers, and he did have an opportunity to win there. But, yeah, for the one and one minute, 22 seconds that it lasted, it was all going, all fireworks, which you would not expect anything else from these two um, former athletes. Yeah, and uh, I think when I looked at it before, and I did before I knew the results and watched it, um, it was I felt like it was going to be one of these two, or Ken Shamrock, who was going to be, you know, some yeah. combination of those two or three yeah. in the final. So I was excited to see these two face off. Tank Abbott was not happy afterwards at all. Um, <sighs> he was very, very angry man. Yeah, he d I don't think he likes the submission luck. He's um, he he he'd much rather buy. Yeah, he'd want to be knocked out or 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 cut or you know something along those lines. I don't think he likes I the idea of being being hugged to a submission. Yeah. I don't think he likes the thought of giving up. I think no, so, not all. Back to it, isn't it? It's yeah. like um, 
I think more, you know, to be honest, I think what angered him was the fact that he knew he was winning and um, yeah, and, and, and should have won it. But he made bad decisions. He made a rush rush affair of it all and he got away with it in the previous fights, rushing for the finish, got the finish against Don Fry. You know, you, you have to make sure of, and stamp that authority down on him and, and make sure of it and not rush so much so that you lose base and get someone to swing up onto your base. Yeah. Um, onto your back, you know. And I'll leave that for you to tell uh, Tank Abbott that it was a learning experience. <laughs> Have you seen him in recent interviews? Nothing like yeah, the man he was. That's very you different, know, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's very skinny now. I think he's had like liver liver trans, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Trans, transfusion or whatever. What do you call oh, it? Okay. Yeah, I know, I know. I think it's all the all the drinking and that. It's yeah, taken its toll on him. Renowned for that, though, wasn't he? For enjoying a, a wee beverage. Yeah. Yeah, he had to have life saving. Yeah, he had to have a donor for, for his liver, I think it was. Oh, right. so he had like a transplant. So. Yeah, a transplant. That was he it. Yeah. He didn't know that. But yeah, yeah um, look, um, regardless of what, what you think of whether he's you know, technically one of the best fighters ever, he's a, he's an icon of the sport. And then. Um, He's always enjoyable to watch just by the way, because of the way he fights. You know, he's, um, yeah. you know, he's a, a legitimate fighter. He wants to go and chase down the fights and, and win them. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he was great. I mean, I, when I used to watch him back then, um, you know, I would always be nervous for the opponent, you know, because I knew he was there to do to do damage. And, uh, yeah, he, he always got the adrenaline going back then. Um, yeah, we really shouldn't judge him on our now educated eyes. Um, we should yeah. judge it for how he was back then watching it and how it was back then. And we, we, they were largely um, uneducated in terms of how it's developed now. But he was uh, massively successful, you know, back then. He really was. Um, but, you know, he tried to carry on fighting way after he, you know, really should have not come back. But he did try and make a comeback, didn't he? Um, and it didn't go so well. Mm. Things have really moved on. His health would have deteriorated somewhat because his lifestyle was never an athletics lifestyle. Um, he was never, never in proper fight shape, I guess you would say, in today's terms. But, yeah, I just think it was sad what's happened to him, you know, since, you know, it, you know to look at him and see how, you know, deteriorated he is yeah, as a human being yeah, yeah. and you all you knew of him was this strong relentless man that was willing to fight the devil himself um yeah father time or you know way of life takes its toll on people unfortunately and yeah it's kind of sad to see him in his in his sort of situation he is now but you know in the interviews i see you know he's of good mind um and and still, still will talk some smack <laughs> and um but he does it with tongue in cheek now you know yeah. uh, you get the true sense of his character when you see the latest interviews that he's ever done yeah i guess um fighters always they never lose that kind of fighting talk i suppose before you call it but certainly you know he's a character and um something which i'll always kind of one of those which will always you always remember um for for you know for whatever reason he was always um memorable and enjoyable to watch yeah um, yeah Don, Don Fry though I thought was impressive again yeah yeah Don Fry I mean he's a legend an absolute legend but uh, you know a game that re a guy that's really former himself I mean it looks a little better than Tank Abbott does but mm. you know he had back surgery didn't he 
recently. Yeah. So a lot of back issues. Um, you know, these guys are definitely not in the gym continuing training uh, by any stretch. They just physically cannot. No. Um, but yeah, Don Fry is an absolute legend. Love watching him over the years. Love watching him in Pride. You know, he's really had some iconic matchups in the past. Big boy mate as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, he, he was a jack, jack dude. But he, he was just like your typical chubby, American. Yeah, chubby. He wasn't like a chubby heavyweight. He was a big, No. Yeah. Which was always... Uh, yeah, always did you ever see um, his fight with Gary Goodrich in Pride? Do you ever remember watching I, it? I, I might have. Yeah, I th- I'm, I'm pretty sure Gary Goodrich knocked him out with one head kick. Wow. If I remember rightly. Um, I'll just okay. see if I can have a look. And just to clarify that, I'm sure that was the case. Um, yeah, really nasty one. Like knocked him cold. Just okay. clicking on it now to have a look, just to recap myself. Because um, every now and then I do go over all the old fights every now and then anyways. Yeah, yeah. But of course, it can. Uh, enjoyable, mate. So have a, a look back at the classics. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, Gary Goodridge, yeah, he- head kick. Um, yeah, so we're t- talking way back in 2003. Jesus, 17, 18 years ago in Pride Shockwave. We are in Japan. Yeah, 39 seconds. Oof. Yeah, it was nasty knockout. Really nasty. Messy. Yeah, knocked cold. <laughs> right. So, yeah, some redemption there for Gary Goodridge. Indeed, mate. Indeed. It'd be, uh, I'm sure someone will one day ask us to have a look at that when we're having these little these little retro breaks. Oh, some of those pride matches, they're, they're great to go over. They really are. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that, mate. I've got to be honest. Um, mm. We'll do it at some point. Um, but I think uh, we're for the now, we're uh, we're back to the, the here and now next week, mate. Yeah, and it's a really good start to the year, actually. We've got some bangers, some two, bangers. Two amazing cards to start yeah. the year, which is uh, great to see. Um, so we will finish the show by doing our predictions for next week's card. So the next next week's card, main event, Max Holloway versus Calvin Qatar. I think I know which way you're going to go. Yeah, I've got to go Calvin Qatar on this one. I really have. I, uh, I'm going to go Max Holloway. Um, okay. So, how do you think he's going to win on decision? That's the only way he can win, I think. No, I think he's going to stop him. I do. Ah, okay. I think, um, think he's going to make a statement. Mm. Be I interesting. Think, I think he is motivated by fighting Volkanovski again. The only yeah. way he gets that fight uh, is if he goes on a bit of a, a spree. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big names, stopping them. Um, and I think he knows that. So I think he's yeah. motivated to get the stoppage. Yeah, that's main event. So is that over five rounds as well? Yes. Right. Yes. Oh, yeah. that's going to be interesting. It is, yeah. Uh, and then another interesting one um, is Carlos Condit versus Matt Brown. A welcome. Ah, that, that I just worry whether that's Matt hard to Brown's... Yeah, I just wondering whether Matt Brown's just had too many fights and maybe going to start getting chinny at this point. So I'm going to go Carlos Condit. Okay, but I would have always gone Brown, but I just, I'm just thinking, I, I just think he's tipping over to being too many miles on the clock. I just, yeah, I don't know. I've always been a fan of him. I really, really have. Okay, I'm going to go. 
Matt Brown. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he did win, put it that way. It's very, very hard to call, but I'm going to base it on that reason. Uh, and I'm going to pick a couple of others. We're going to go Wacky Joaquim Buckley versus Alicio De Chirico. Mm. So I know you're very familiar with both guys. But uh, yeah. Joaquim, Joaquim Buckley, we did watch uh, fairly recently. Yeah. I'll, re I'll remind you who we watched him against now. Give me two seconds. Um, but if memory serves me, I think we were quite impressed by his performance. Yeah. Um, so, Joaquin Buckley beat, uh, on November 21st, 2020, uh, he beat uh, Wright via TKO. Um, and the time before that, in October, so he's been very active in uh, yeah. 2020. He, August, he beat uh, Holland. By, uh, sorry, Holland beat Joaquin Buckley uh, in a TKO just into the third round. But Buckley did enough in that one. I remember we said, you know, that's, yeah, uh, that's right, he's done well. Something, something there. Then he fought Casanegue in October and he won via a TKO. And then he fought right in November and won via a TKO mm. as well. Mm. So, um, and what was, that, what was the other guy who's fighting? Uh, Dicharico. See and what's his, but like, what's his last performance been? Uh, so he's a twelve and five Italian fighter. And yeah, his, uh, last he's fight. A, he's a, he's like a bit of a banger, isn't he? Is he a little bit of a striker? Uh, four, five wins by knockout, four by submission, yeah. three by uh, decision. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with the Italian. Lost, he lost to uh, Cummins, and he, he lost to Muraduoff. Yeah, uh, and he lost to Holland, so he's on a three-fight losing streak. Yeah, but I'm I'm going to pick him. Let's let's go for the um, potential outsider. Before that, he was on a couple of fight win streak after beating yeah. Bang Bang Bose and Marquez. So uh, he's got yeah. something there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to go with him. Okay, I'll go with Joaquin Buckley. Yeah. Um, just wanted to have a look at one other fight on there because. Uh, caught my eye or there was two which caught my eye actually um there was a, a russian uh disco todrovich uh, i've been told is quite handy uh he's fighting against uh puna hail serenio um so i'm not expecting you to know who they are but oh, i don't know who that is i'm just telling you to watch out for the fight um yeah. just checking the prelims see if there's anyone which we'd be you know familiar with off the top of our heads uh no jacob kilburn's fighting uh mike grundy is fighting that'll be interesting mm. uh, but yeah no we'll leave it there for the predictions otherwise yeah. it's just just guesswork otherwise it's yeah just, takes the fun out of it <clears throat> oh amari Ahmedov is fighting tom breeze though i'm looking forward to that oh that's, yeah that's gonna that's be good yeah prelims. prelims carlos felipe versus justin taffer that, yeah, you can give me a prediction for that. Justin Taffer versus yeah. Felipe, uh, two big yeah. dudes. Yeah, they are Taffer. I'm going to go to Taffer on that one. So you've gone for the New Zealander, who's four and one. I'm mm. going to go for uh, Carlos Felipe. He's nine and one. Uh, he's got a slight reach advantage and slight leg reach advantage. Mm. A little bit of a uh, Taffer's slightly bigger weight wise, but uh, Taffer's won all his fights via TKO. But yeah. uh, Carlos Felipe has won 67% via TKO, but he's also won 33% via decision. 
So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Carlos Felipe there. But that'll be a, a good little, uh, good That's little a good one. The prelims. I'll be looking for. Yeah, we'll have a look. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, that's us, mate. But uh, we'll be yeah. back. Jake Hadley's in the house next week. Can't wait for that one. Going to be a cracker. So we'll have a chat to him. We'll talk UFC fight night. Or the first of the Fight Island cards. We'll preview the Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier. And uh, talk the latest news. But uh, Danny yeah. Dever, thank you, my friend. Yeah, no, thank you, Simon. Thank you, listeners. It's, uh, it's been a good one. Yeah, make the most of these nice hour-long shows <laughs> back to back to normal next week where we interview the guest and talk uh, the full cards of ufc but uh yeah well check us out wednesday spread the word and uh, look out for some other content which is coming as well which is mma related specific to conor mcgregor and the build-up to his fight but uh, in the meantime we'll be back next wednesday subscribe to the youtube channel and uh, check out some of the other shows and series that we do on the channel as well cheers guys You're listening to Ace Podcast Nation, the hottest new podcast network and YouTube channel in the UK, featuring original series, top guests, expert analysts, and more. Check out facebook.com forward slash Nation for news on latest guests and shows. Watch every show in full at youtube.com forward slash Nation. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.